All right, welcome. Good morning. So, Friday night, I opened up with a question from Rev. Ramon. I always like doing his questions because they're shy calling again. They're in real time. Um, this one is dated Yudalad Kislev Tufshin Peydalad. So that's approximately uh, a month ago. Uh, yeah, uh, two months ago actually. Um, we'll go over the question again, and then we'll discuss the uh, topic before we get to his answer. Rev. Ramon was asked the following question from a soldier. He says, we are currently stationed somewhere in Gaza, and we don't have a Sefer Torah. He says, the general halach is that when you don't have a Sefer Torah, when you say Tachnun, you don't put your head down. Because you're only supposed to put your head down when you are, when you're Lifnei Hashem. I've uh, never heard, what's the source for that? You've never, you never heard this? Never, no. Like, oh. Like, I mean, first of all, like the Rav would always do it, and like at school we would always do it. So like, this is like a foreign concept, so like not this is like everyone's favorite concept. I'll tell you why. So this is quick tangent. Rabbi Sobolowski was once traveling, and he was in... So Rabbi Sobolowski was once traveling. Well, some people say if it's a Torah in the building, that counts. But Rabbi Sobolowski was once traveling, and he was in, I believe, Germany, diving in the airport as you, as you do. And there were a bunch of Hasidim there, and they got a tach, and they said, no tach. And he, he said, why not? And they said, there's no Sefer Torah. So he said to them, the Ramaz says explicitly, when there's no Sefer Torah, you just don't put your head down, but you say Tachnan. And they said, unless there's a Sefer Torah, we're not saying Tachnan. Which point, someone in the group opened with knapsack and pulled out a Sefer Torah and goes, I'm actually going to Israel now, bringing a Sefer Torah. And they're like, oh, Shkaka Pratis, and they did Tachnan. Same thing happened to me, by the way. I was, I was, I was traveling to Israel on Yom Atzmah. I was in Tachnan uh, in Zurich. And they skipped Tachnan. I said, you're skipping Tachnan because it's Yom Atzmah. They all went down for Tachnan. Either way. So the, uh, the Ramah says, well, well, we'll get there. I mean, we'll get there in a minute. The Ramah says, the Ramah, so the Ramah says that when there is no Sefer Torah, you don't say Tachnan. Excuse me, you don't, you don't put your head down for Tachnan. That being said, there are so many Pesukim in the Torah that mention that when we go out to war, Hashem is with us. Hashem is with us. If that's true, so maybe it's considered enough to be Lefnei Hashem, we're in front of God, and we should be saying Tachnan with our head down, even though there is no Sefer Torah. This is the question we asked Rabbi Ramon. Just a quick step back. Rabbi Salvechik asked a very, I guess, fundamental question. That's as follows. If you think about it, we start off our day, we do all the tefillos, right? we do brachos, which we talked about, we skip the zimmer, we'll get there. We get to Shemun Esri. Shemun Esri is the uh, quintessential prayer of us asking for literally a laundry list of all our needs. You finish one esrei, what is there left to still say? Why are we continue, continuing on with tefillah once you conclude what seems to be the major tefillah? The Amida. You ask for forgiveness, we already did that twice in one esrei, seemingly. So why are we even, what are we doing in Tachna? What's the point of Tachna? If you look in the Gemara and Brachos, the Gemara and Brachos actually lists there are a number of tefillos that the Tanaim instituted for themselves that they would say at the conclusion of davening. It was their personal tefillah. One of them, by the way, being a Lekaina Tsar. One of them being a Lekaina Tsar, which is a personal tefillah. Other ones, the tefillah's rav. What's tefillah's rav? But so the Yehi Ratzon, we say on, we say on, for Kiddush HaChodesh. That's actually a tefillah of rav. He would say that one. He's not Mo'er. He would say that. In fact, some gears of the Gemara end off B'zchus tefillah's rav instead of the way we end off because that's what, that's what he said. There are a number of personal tefillahs. So that's actually one of the sources we have. We have other sources in the Gemara Vatachlan. That Gemara in, uh, in Bab Metziah, in the fourth parak, in the, in the end of the fourth parak, records a very famous story, the famous story of Tanar uh, Shachanai. The story basically goes, I mean, the, 
Kishu quoted other context was there was machlokos Rabbi Elazar and the Chachamim about whether a certain uh, oven could, convey, could uh, contract Tumah or not contract Tumah. And Rabbi Elazar says, if I am right, let the heavens declare I'm right. And a heavenly voice comes out and says, you're right. And they say, we don't listen to you know, the Baskal, heavenly voice. If I'm right, the trees will tell me I'm right. If I'm right, the walls of the base will say I'm right. What do you say? I was going to say, there, uh, unfortunately, like, there's Gemara in Megillah 22, so you're like a week off. For, about, like, oh, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. There are numerous Gemaras. Yeah. Um, and, the, and you let the, let the river say I'm right, the river reverses course, and he goes, let the coastly base measures say I'm right, and the walls start to cave in. And basically they say to him, look, the, that's not the way the halachic process works. The way the halachic process works is we use our own logic and deduction, and you can quote all, you can quote all the miracles you want, and to perform all the miracles you want, we're not going to rely on that for the halachic process, and ultimately they put him into cherem. They put him into, they excommunicated him, because he wouldn't follow the halachic process. And it talks about how his, um, his sister, no, his... So then the Gemara says that he was married to the sister of the person who put him into Cherim. And every day that sister would come and disrupt him when he, between him finishing Shmonesrei and starting Tachlam. And the Gemara says that one day she miscalculated. She thought it was Rosh Chodesh. So he wasn't saying Tachlam. It wasn't Rosh Chodesh. And he said Tachlam. And basically bad things befell her, bro- um, bad things befell, um, her brother. Why? So the Gemara, seems to say, the Gemara says that the power of going from going from Shmona Esrei to Tachnon without an interruption makes it that your tefillos are answered. And Rav Shechter quotes this all the time and says, this is, you know, this is brought down in, in Mishnah Brewer quotes this, the Beis Yosef quotes this, that there's some sort of special power to our, that our tefillos will get answered if we don't have a hefzik, a break between our tefillah and our Shmona Esrei and, and, and Tachnon. I thought perhaps, this is my own, my own thought, that I don't think anyone who said this, but if you think about it, if Elokai Elokhainetzar is really part of Tachnon. Is really part of Tachnon, meaning it's that that was, it's a personal prayer at the end of, at the end of our our tefillah. It's part of Tachnon. So the reason we don't have, we're not supposed to have a break is because Tachnon in a way is part of Shmon Esrei. And I'll give you two proofs for this. Again, this is my own thinking. One is when do we say Kaddish to Skabel? The Kaddish where we say God accept our prayers. We say, all right, the conclusion after Tachnon. We don't say before Tachnon. We say it after Tachnon. So much so that even the, the we say that the chazan, when does the chazan take us three steps back? We all take our three steps back when we finish one The chazan waits until after Kaddish Tzgabel, because it's one big unit. That's why also if someone walks out of shul and you only have nine people, you still can say that Kaddish, because the Kaddish is going on one But Tachlan is put in there as well, because Tachlan in the way is part of one And that's where the Rav says as follows. The Rav says that we are Jews as a people, we're also Jews as an, as an individual. Writes the Rav in uh, in, in Alachuva that there's a standardized text to prayer because kind of like, you know, we, we can go through all the reasons why that is. It could be that's what we're supposed to aspire to. The standardized text is supposed to tell us essentially, you, you might not care about, you know, Yerushalayim being rebuilt or the, the Davidic dynasty being, uh, uh, being restarted, but God's saying these are the things you should care about. Whatever reason is, there's a standardized prayer, but then there's also, we are our own personality of our own prayers. And what what we're supposed to do at the end of davening is insert our own prayers, make it personal. Talk about what we need. Talk about what we, what, what we need. That's what tachnon is. Tachnon is techina, is, 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 is that sort of prayer of where we, we're, we're personalizing our prayer. So much so that it seemingly, seemingly, Elokainetzar is tachnon, and then it continues to the tachnon when we sit down. And it's very possible that the re- why are we sitting down? Again, this, the, the, the post can talk about this because what we're doing effect- effectively is we're saying, God, we're doing everything. We're sitting in, pr- in prayer. 
we're standing in prayer, and then if we get to the point where it's our own personal prayers, we're just throwing ourselves on the floor, basically. Which, by the way, when you look at the Gemara Megillah that Daniel just quoted, it's literally, we're, we're prostrating ourselves on the floor, now we just put our head down, and we're saying, we're doing every single position possible, now we're just basically saying, God, I need your help. Standing didn't work, sitting didn't work, now I'm going to personalize my prayer, I'm going to tell you, this is what I really need, this is what I need in my life, please help me. There's a sense of dependency that really comes out there. We really depend on you, God, and we're going to throw ourselves down in prayer like that. It's one long prayer. You have a question? What else? Beware. Oh, so we'll, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get to the Torah part of it. But, um, or we won't get there, but we'll, we'll, we'll see in a second. Um, but it's, so that, that's, again, that's one aspect of it. It happens to be that the Rav has another, another point, which I, I, don't want to get into, I don't want to get into fully now, where the Rav seemingly argues that who are we to stand in front of the king, you know, like a, like stand straight and tall. You, you stand in front of the king begging for your life, you're, you're crouched over. Seemingly, the ideal position of tefillah would be crouched over, and we have some sort of dispensation to sometimes stand straight and tall. But I don't want to... I mean, I think that figures in, but that's just... Okay. So, the, show, the Mishnaburah even quotes this Gemara, by the way. The Mishnaburah quotes this Gemara. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have a hefzik, a break between our Shwan Esrei and our Tachnan. Where Mishnaburah? What? What's Simon? Yeah. Um, I should have written it down. Um, Kuf Lamed Alf, I believe. Kuf Lamed Alf. It should be like the second or third Mishnaburah there. Um, he quotes his Gemara. He also quotes his Gemara in, in, in Bab Metziah. Mishnaburah quotes it. Again, I, my I thought is because really it's one long tefillah. That the Shmoneser, I mean, Tachlan is a natural progression from tefillah Shmoneser, going from these more communal prayers where we're diving in for the Klal, we're diving for these broader things. Now we're really making it personal. We're throwing ourselves down in prayer and saying, God, I need you. Even in your anger, God, I need you. Um, what does it mean not to have a have six? The post can talk about, the post can, that was, it's off. The post can talk about you know, if it's, you could say I'm a man, you hate but that you could say. Um, other things you need for davening, you can turn to the Gabba and say, by the way, did you choose so-and-so for tefillah? Those you could say, but it comes to other things, you should not have a break. I mean, generally, you shouldn't talk, but you should try to minimize those sort of, those sort of breaks. Um, I'm not going to get into now the days we say tachlan, the days we don't say tachlan. There is a whole list, although I once saw from Rav Chaim Kanievsky, this is probably everyone's favorite, Rav Chaim Kanievsky. He says, nowadays, suffolk tachlan lahakel. When in doubt, don't do tachlan. Seems to be the minhag. But where does that really come from? So there happens to be, there's a machlokus we showed him about if tachlan is mandatory or it's just a minhag. The, the Rav Neturei Gohan says it's a minhag. The Rabbim seems to say it's part of tefillah, which, by the way, the Rav seems to embrace. It's really part of Shemun Ezra. As the Rav even writes, what is, what is, Shmona, what is tefillah? It's we, we thank God for things, we, uh, we praise God, and we ask, we, we, we ask bakashas, we personalize it, and we say we need things. And it might just be an extension of just, not just Atachon and Ladam Das, or Rafa'inu is also the Tachlin itself. Uh, the the Gonim think it's only a minhug. That's the source, probably, why there are some places that are very lenient when it comes to Tachlin. You, you go to certain uh, shoals in our neighborhood, and they never say Tachlin. They never say Tachlin. There's a yard site, there's a this, there's a that, they don't say Tachlin. Why? Because that's. I mean, everyone likes to skip that. I once said there's, there's no simcha in a Jewish man's life like finding out you don't have to say Tachlin on a Monday or a Thursday. But, um,. That, that's the source for it. Although other places in the Litvish world, world of the Rambam, they, um, they're, they're much more machmer. Rav David Kav, you remember Rav David Kav from KBY? He once said to me when he was a chassan, he was davening somewhere, and they kicked him out. We need to say tachnan, please walk out of the room. That's that Litvox for you. Okay, so that being said, what about this idea, which we brought up, which Daniel never heard of, because he's a, he's a real Talmud of the Rav over here, learned in those institutions, that you only say tachlan when there's a, when you lift Hashem. 
So it starts off Ramon in the Chuva here. Ramon says, Most Rishonim don't say this. The Gemara doesn't say this. The Gemara talks about, as you said, the Gemara Megillah talks about literally frosting yourself on the floor, which is why most of Kofalam and Aleph, or a lot of it is all about the different laws of when you're allowed to put yourself on the floor, when you're not allowed to put yourself on the floor, the whole idea of covering our face on, on, on Yom Kippur, when we go down for the Avoda or on Yom Rishonim for Aleinu, that's all in that, in that, in that parish over there, that, up there. The Rokeach was a very important, he's a very important Rishon. He's a very important Rishon, but he's one of the, I mean, he's, a, he's important enough that the Ramah quoted him. Like, there are lots of Rishonim who say lots of things. But if you make it into Shulchan Aruch, clearly, you know, the Ramah thought, you know, you, it was something worth being put, put, put in there. So Rokeach writes, She'en lipol ha'aponav k'she'en sever Torah. Because of simen davar, she'yishua, cause of a yipol ha'aponav aron Hashem. It says Yeshua... Uh, put himself down, prostrate himself in front of the Aron Hashem. This implies it's in the Filah when the Sefer Torah. By the way, just point out again, these, this is one of the areas in Halacha where there's a lot of Kabbalah mixed in. You even already find in the Mishtabura a lot of Kabbalah. Why don't say it at night? Um, the, the Halacha is the Shochanara says you say Tachlan sitting, not standing. But if you need to, you can say it standing. You can say it standing. Says the Mishtabura, but all the all Kabbalists say you say it sitting down. This comes up on your diving in Minyan in an airport. And you see, what do you do? You have to sit down, you, you know, sometimes you see someone leaning against the wall, do that. Why are you leaning against the wall? Because you're supposed to be sitting. You're supposed to be sitting. Also, again, also, it plays into the whole idea that if we're trying to cover all areas, both standing and sitting and laying down, or somewhat laying down, so that's what it is. There's a lot of kabbalmics in here, fine. Amnam. Borosh ain't a posim. Says Reverend Ramon, it's clear. If the, if the Rokeach's really the source for this, and everyone's quoting the Rokeach, so this is not a halacha in the sense that there's no other options. Like sometimes the Ramah will quote, this is what we should do. But you look around and everyone says it, so that's the halacha. And sometimes he's quoting, this is the minna that developed, but clearly this is not halacha psuka. Also, okay, fine. It's interesting. The way Rabbi Mon wants to learn it is, that if you're in front of the Aron, so you, you have to... No, do, do again this nefila of, of putting your head down. It doesn't say anywhere if you're not there, you don't have to. It just implies that seemingly being in front of the Aaron Kodesh somehow engenders an obligation that at some point during davening, go like this. Why would that be? It could very well be because what are we doing? We're standing in front of Hashem, we're pleading for our life. We're pleading for everything. And sometimes when you plead, you really just, you know, you, you, you bend over. Instead of standing straight and tall, you're bending over. Yeah. Correct. Uh, uh, we'll get there. So, so, I don't know if you spoke to Rabbi Mo before he wrote the tshuva, but you're, what you're saying, we're, we're going to see in a minute. We're going to see this in a minute. We're going to see this in a minute. He's, he's the best. You're the best. He's really the best. I had a tshuva from this week. I sent to Rabbi Reese. A tshuva. It was an interesting tshuva. And here's Robak, classic Rabbi Mo. Sources, the compassion, you know, all together. Okay, so he says as follows. Um, sorry, um, now, again, it's important to recognize, and I mentioned this again to Daniel, when I was in Yeshiva Tanah 
remember this very clearly, we had a mincha room. The mincha room was in the third floor. They didn't want to take all these kids down, upstairs and downstairs, because you know what happens when kids go, go up and downstairs. The, the, every foot you travel with a bunch of kids is just another foot where something was going to go wrong. So we went to the mincha room, which is the room next door. We did, we did tachna, and everyone said, oh, Rav Meir Stern said, there's a Sefer Torah in the building. So again, you, what does it mean to have a Sefer Torah? How accessible does it have to be? What are, what, does it have to be a Sefer Torah? What if there are other svarim? What if there are other svarim? Some posts can say other svarim work. The stipler, I believe in Rav Chaim Kinyaski, in, in his house, he would do, do tachna and put his head down because there were other svarim in the room. He was yeshar okay, ha'keach. Um... So here, by the way, he says it a little bit as well here. Um, also, answer your point. He says, Friday he says it. This is Rav Ramon talking. Anytime we talk about God revealing himself in Tanakh, Yesh in the field, is, there's the, the Lashon, the language of falling. Avram falls over. Am Yisrael falls over. In the field, Am Yisrael, by El Yo, they fall over. Vod Rabbos. So what he, first what he what he does is says is there's no iser there's no problem of bowing of putting your head down even with no sefer Torah. I guess the assumption could be like if you're if you're standing in front of the king maybe you're not allowed to put your head down. He goes no you're allowed to put your head down. So that's number one, right? So we're working towards an answer. Like don't worry if you want to put your head down that's definitely allowed, but more than that. I can say the opposite. Maybe you should put your head down. So this is the uh, point I said a minute ago. Potentially, if you're standing in front of the Melech Malchem Loch, if you're standing in front of God, who are you to stand straight and tall? There's certain arrogance to that. Right? Even you look at Shulchan Aruch, it talks about certain things you shouldn't do. And probably, again, it's more societal. How you shouldn't you know, go like this. And you, shouldn't, you, know, you, you shouldn't stand straight up. Some people say you should only dive in like this. Why? Because, and some say, no, you should stand straight and tall. It's different... There's different uh, halachas, but uh, what, what comes out to it is you're standing in front of Hashem. So he says, maybe tefillah should be in the tefillah. And the chiddush and the novelty of our tefillah is that we do standing. Meaning, maybe standing is, what's, is, standing is the abnormality here. How can you stand up? Because why? The metzias of standing in front of Hashem is to be, to be, to be uh, humble. Ella, there's a het there, there's a dispensation to stand, to, 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 to stand straight and tall. And therefore, when you do when you do tachnun, which is supposed to be sitting, put your head down. This, in fact, Rabbi Salvechik says, and uh, Daniel says as well. It's where it's coming from. Okay, good good company. Yes. However, so that being said, so what what we have right now is he said certainly you're you're allowed to sit. Maybe even the davening should be done sitting, except that we have some sort of dispensation to be standing. He says, but the Ramah says you should be sitting. If there's no sefer Torah, you sit down, but you don't you don't put your head down. You don't put your head down. Why? It's not totally clear. Now, let's, re- now let's, go, let's go to our question. Our question, can you put your head down in the Machin at Tzvai, in, in, in the army camp? As the Torah says many times, And Hashem says, Hashem, your God will be in, within the midst of your camp. To put your enemy before you. Etc., etc. Constantly, the Torah reminds us God is in the camp of the Right, not only Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere, but certainly in the camp. Fine. And therefore, fascinating, there's a, there's a precedent, Herb Tukachinsky, who was a Rav in Yerushalayim in the, turn of the, century, in the, in the last uh, century, he wrote many of the works, the early works about the Medina. He was one of the first to really write um, these sort of works. He also was an expert in the calendar. He wrote books about the calendar. Listen to what he wrote. Kosov, Shebi Yerushalayim, Hanich Shev, is Hashem. In Yerushalayim, we consider Lefnei Hashem. 
And that is the minog in Yerushalayim, they always put their head down. Why did they always put their head down? Whether it's a Torah or not a Sefer Torah, the Yerushalayim is Lefnei Hashem, which brings us back to some things we've discussed earlier. Where's Joshi? We discussed this with Yelulav, right? That Lefnei Hashem, in fact, that's, it's Lefnei Hashem. We're not going to get into that right now. Similarly, how Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach says, it's only in the Iratika, in the old city, but, but the fact is, here's another precedent where there's no Sefer Torah, but it's considered there's a heightened uh, presence of God's presence in the old city, or in Yerushalayim in general, and therefore, Kuczynski said, you, don't, you always put your head down. So again, here's a fourth source for this as well. Um, I saw Rav Moshe has a tshuva, he says this as well. He says the same idea. He was, he was substantiating the minhag. He said, it's Lefnei Hashem. So Rav Moshe says this as well. He didn't quote Rav Moshe, but I saw it from Rav Moshe. Next, he says, there are postgames we mentioned a minute ago who said, when you're around Sifrei Kodesh, other Sifrei Kodesh, you should put your head down. Other Svarim. Now, I'll tell you, one of the most amazing things about this war, as we're seeing now, just again, I guess you have 75 years in the country, the way the, way the Hezer movement has started you know, in, the, in the 50s has now really taken over in Israel. So many of the combat soldiers are religious. Like a very high percentage of them are religious. In fact, um, Rabbeinu Rabbi said that he heard two of his, I mean, his son and his friend were talking about which, which uniform is better. You know, Ma'ad Aleph, Ma'ad Beis. He's like, what a boring conversation. And then one guy said, no. Because in whichever uniform it was, the pockets are bigger and you can fit the Chumash Rashi in it. Uh, Rav Asher Weiss, who we put all the time, he printed a special Minchas Asher, pocket size of his Svarim to send out because many of his Talmudim were going to war. Art Scroll did a special printing of the, of the, of the Daf. Before I guess was, we did last, what Daf, Gittin, was Gittin? No. Yeah, Gittin. I guess now in also Babakama, because so many of the soldiers are learning. So he says, look, there might not be a Sefer Torah, but there are, there, are, there are Svarim. There are Svarim. I just saw there was this, this, this uh, one of the soldiers who was killed, who I'm connected with somewhat, they found in his bags, when he turned, he actually, he, apparently he had a reading disability, he had a very hard time learning, but he brought with him a Misil Sesharim to the battle. There, there, give me a second, I want, when I finish, I'll get back to it. There are so many Svarim there, and therefore says, and therefore says, Rabbi, says Rav Rimon, there are Svarim among our Kalim. And he says as follows. But you know what? That's just a Tzirah. That's just a, a nice sniff lahakel. I don't need this idea, this heter of having other Svarim to put Tachtun because Charles's idea, we're talking about the, ar- the, the army camp of the Jewish people and God's presence is there. So don't, I don't need to go any, any other hetter. God's presence is there. And just one more source, I want to bring this up because we came up last year and I always liked doing Chazara. If you recall last year, we learned the, the mitzvah chatzotra, it's mitzvah, it was a mem, uh, mem test or nun test, 59, I think it was mem, nun test. We talked about why we don't have chatzotras nowadays. So we said, the other, well, first question we asked was the Magad Mishta says, there, when the Ramam says there are two times we, we have mitzvah to blow chatzotras, one time Karbanos in the base of Migdash, and also when you go out to battle, you also blow the chatzotras with the trumpets. Says the Magad Mishnah, it seems like two totally disparate reason, uh, reasons. Why is it not two different mitzvahs? Mitzvah mentes, mitzvah nem, uh, I think it's nun, nun tes and uh, samach, or nun ches, nun tes. Why is it one mitzvah? So we quoted a chaskuni who says, because when you blow the shofar, Be'esar in the camp, it's supposed to remind you of the Karbanos, and then you either invoke divine mercy or you're supposed to do tshuva. Rav Moshe seemingly took a step further and said, the reason nowadays we don't blow shofar, sorry, you go out to battle, why are you not blowing shofar? He says, because you're supposed to use the very shofar of the base of Megdash, and we can't do that, it'd be me'ilah. 
again, what perhaps we're driving there as well is there's some sort of getting a very strong connection about being a, the machina is not just a camp, but it's a makam ashchina, almost like the base of Migdash. That was just my own. Okay, fine. So let's bring it all together. Lemaisa, what? How do we paskin? We now tachna, and we just said is seemingly part of is part of Shmon Esrei. So much so it's part of Shmon Esrei, the part where we literally just beseech God and the, the Amoraim and Tanaim had their own tefillahs they made up. Right? Look again, the kind of tsar is not part of Shmon Esrei. It's a tefillah that we we added on to Shmon Esrei from one of the, the Amoraim. That's when you add in your own tefillahs. We throw ourselves down in front of God. And again, we don't have a hefsik because it's part of Shmon Esrei. We say Kaddish afterwards again. It's part of Shmon Esrei. We said Tachn is a very important part, yet somehow we're only supposed to say it, we only put our heads down in front of Aaron Kodesh. Why that is, we're not totally sure. Although Rev. Moen said, seemingly, seemingly, and quoting the Rav, all tefillah we said in a position of, of, this, of a, a humble, of, of, of crouched over, but we have a special heter not to do it. In the, in the machina of the, of the Tzvai, Hashem is present. Clearly Hashem is present. So much so, says Rev. Moen, I don't need another heter of having other svarim there. So what do we do? Lemaisa says as follows. The machinat tzvayi, this is bolded. You could do tachnun without a sefer Torah. Notice he didn't say skip tachnun. Tachnun is a very important part of davening. Kevin shashchina shruya v'machinat tzvayi. Because God's presence is in the camp. Vani yochel l'hayin. Then he says, this is, he adds his own personal thing. And by the way, Ramon recently said, I, I I, my, my biggest regret when I went to Israel was I missed, I missed him. We were supposed to have a barbecue together. I missed him. But I heard an interview where he said he hasn't washed his suit since his suit jacket, since the war started. He goes, because he's hugged thousands and thousands of soldiers with it. How can he wash that suit? He's literally spending his days. He's one of those busy people I know. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a rabbi of a, of a huge kehillah. He's the, he's the Rosh Hashivah in, in, in Machon Lev. He's the, he runs this organization called Sulamot, which does all this Torah programming and also helps people find jobs. Like it's, um, it's a lot of chesed. And he's still finding time to do, spending a lot of time with the soldiers. Just one quick note. Recently, he also, I didn't, I didn't even know this, in an interview he talked about, and it was, he just mentioned he pioneered some sort of Mishnah program to teach Mishnahis to, to Jewish kids. There are about like 100,000 kids doing this. They had a huge CM where the president of Israel was going to be there. And Rabbi Ramon filmed himself addressing the CM. So his daughter said to him, wait, why didn't you go to that? That was your program. He said, look at the date. He goes, two months ago, we made up, we were going to go down south together and have a, just a date together, me and his, and his daughter. And then the president called us. I'm sorry, I'm busy that day. I have uh, something in my schedule. He talked about the importance of learning to balance family with being a rabbi. You know, you have to figure that out. Part of this, and the president calls, you have a date with your daughter, you don't push off a date with your daughter. He's, he's an amazing person. But listen to what he says. So he said, again, this is someone who's literally been in the running around He's probably even got into Gaza somewhat, but he's running around the, with the soldiers. I can testify. When I go to the army camps to visit them, in the last few weeks, I can, I can literally feel God's presence among these soldiers. Therefore appears... Saying the fields of Payim, putting your head down without a sefer Torah. He goes, it's 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 clear that they, they, they have this better understanding. They know what it means to be lifnei Hashem. And that's and this feeling of that you're lifnei Hashem is part. A very important, it's the essential part of what it means to be 
involved in a holy war. In a holy war. To have this feeling and this knowledge that what we're involved in is not just a war for territory, a war for safety or peace, but it's actually a war that's a mitzvah. This is something that's come, it's a mechemes Hashem. Hashem Hashem is found with us. Hashem nilchemas and Hashem fights with us. Latzil to save us. Lasted ovech lefnet to put an army for us. Ubeezus Hashem natzia nenatzeh and we will be we will win this war. So we seem to say it's it's actually important the soldiers do put their heads down. So they have this feeling that lefnet Hashem because a central part of fighting this battle is this feeling and this recognition that we're fighting for something much more, much more existential than even the state of Israel. But that we're fighting God's war. And this is what God wants us to be doing. We should continue to go on with strength, with heroism. That Tzahal will win over and destroy this evil, cruel enemy. To really obliterate them. To return the glory to the Knesset Yisrael. To bring, quoting from the, from, the, um, from the liturgy of the High Holidays, and Hashem should give glory to His people. And return everyone healthy, both in nefesh and in guf, and in body and in emotions and spirit. We should be zochet to to live and dwell in tranquility and peace. He adds in, and unity. in love, our holy land, Yosef Tzvi Rimon. Wish you all a wonderful week.